Good morning, everybody. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy romance and romantic fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Oh, that's so good. Today is Monday, October 4th, Monday, the 4th of October and back in my nest. I've been uh, having pumpkin spice lattes for the last several days and you know what my home coffee is better. I, you know what I love the first pumpkin spice latte of the season and then it's like after that I can't replicate the experience alas. This is kind of funny you guys see this if you're on video this morning glory is climbing up the string for the the wind chimes. I think that's probably allowable. There's something uh symmetrical about it to my mind since I love both wind chimes and the morning glories I feel like they should have each other. If you're on video you will notice that I am wearing earrings today. I typically don't for the podcast um but if you're a longtime listener you know that I did the whole earring plan 2021 after I got my new jewelry cabinet and went through my entire earring collection wore a different pair every day for the podcast and talked about them because that is how we roll here at Jeffy's first cup of coffee and I just got these this weekend my mommy bought me these earrings and so I thought oh if I get new earrings I should wear them and show you guys. So these are really kind of cool. They're made out of leather and they are I think it's real leather feels like real leather and they're leaf shaped and sort of stamped with a scaly pattern and they are silver and there's two of them. There's a bigger leaf shape that dangles and then a smaller leaf shape in front that has um clear sparkly jewels on it in uh, descending order from large to small and my mom bought me this amazing kind of I don't know what you'd call it like a duster that's um what do we call those things that look like vests only they're very long are they dusters something like that they're kind of in still I've seen people wearing them (laughs) not just in the stores but actual people and uh, this one is made of a silver leaf pattern and sort of I don't know leather or pleather. It's so cool I'm gonna wear it for conferences. I considered wearing it for you guys to show you here and then I thought sitting out here in my great barber in my silver foil pleather leaf duster just might be a little much. So I wanted to talk about a couple of things today. I had a good break. It was a really good break. Um, it was just nice to get away um, with the this was Tucson's third wettest year on record and it's um, so green there and I wanted to see the green and the blooming. It was just incredible to see. I spent some time with my mom and with stepdad Dave and got to see stepsister Hope and brother-in-law Galen. It was lovely had some good meals did a lot of hanging out um 
yeah, it was just a really restful break. And I am now tanned, rested, and ready. One of my favorite phrases. Some kind of bird over in the tree there. Unusual birdie hopping around. Didn't quite get a good look at it. So, so yeah, I definitely needed the brain break. And I also did on Wednesday. I can't remember how much of this I told you guys. So I'm just going to start at the beginning as, as if you're coming to this fresh, which for all we know, you might be welcome. Welcome. If this is your first time. So when one way that authors can submit books to traditional publishing and I'm going to explain some of this stuff because like even over the weekend uh, my family was asking me some of these questions and I would think that I've like talked them to death about this stuff by now but apparently not. So I'm just going to explain this whole thing. So one way that you can submit books traditional to traditional publishing if you are an established author is that you can submit on spec. That's what we call it on spec which means you do not have to write the entire book first. Um, which is to me a real perk. It's like once you get established and you have a track record, if you're a newbie, sorry, they won't let you do it because newbies have to prove that they can actually finish a book because I mean, we would say, oh, that's so brutally unfair, but we know it's a thing, right? I mean, between us, let's admit, you know, it's, can you finish a book? Let's find out. (laughs) But for it's a, what we don't tell them is that for even established authors every time it's a question of can I finish this book? Let's find out. So this is a great thing especially and I I don't know if you could do it if you don't have an agent. I guess you could if you have an established relationship with an editor um like some authors who write for Harlequin they don't use agents because Harlequin doesn't alter the contracts anyway. It's pretty much boilerplate. Um, so those people can do spec with their editors for the most part though it's going to be with your agent. And what you do is you put together the pitch idea which you've probably already refined with your agent and then you write a certain number of pages and you write essentially the beginning of the book. I guess it can't be just any set of pages. It needs to be the beginning of the book and a synopsis and then your agent pitches with that. And to stick with this nitty gritty part, the technical part, because my mom was asking me this too. The thing about writing on spec is you're writing for free, right? You're not under contract. You're saying this is the book I would write if you guys bought it from me or at least here's the beginning and here's how I think it would go. And editors know that that we what we put in the synopsis and how we think it'll go is not always how it comes out. Uh, and they are they are actually remarkably zen about that because um, writers are difficult critters to herd and they've just given up on herding that particular thing. Not that they won't get you to try to revise but so the whole point of going out on spec is that then these editors get it and they read the pages so far and they read the synopsis and then they come back and say okay we would like to buy this book for X amount of money or we would like to buy this book and two more for X amount of money or one more. I mean typically um, you're going to get a contract for a one book two book or three book deal. Those are 
pretty standard. I would say three book is the most common, um, at least in my experience. I know of more and more people who are getting two book deals and uh, don't do more than three. I mean, that's just um, word to the wise. There are people who do it. Um, people who crave security and want to be under contract, that's uh, the multi-book deal. The more than three is a good deal for them. But basically, you're betting against yourself by doing because you're saying they give you an advance of X amount of money for you know each book range of advances. People seem to be talking about this a lot lately. We hear a lot about the big advances where we hear about a hundred thousand per book. I have a friend who gets 250,000 per book, usually in three book deals. Um, those are really, you know, snazzy deals to get, uh, kind of the next tier I hear. I know somebody else who got, uh, 50,000 per book for a three book deal. Um, I know someone else who got 20,000 per book for a three book deal. Um, and then it tends to, and I know somebody else who like got one and this was a little while ago. She got for her debut 10,000 per book for a three book deal. And from there it tends to drop down and it seems like more and more often, unless you are in that bush tits, happy bush tits, unless you get in that upper echelon, um, it's very, very standard if you're a newbie to get somewhere in the neighborhood of, um, two to three to 5,000 per book, sometimes 500 or a thousand per book. The whole point of advances in case you don't know is that they give you the money ahead of time. Um, when they, when you sign the contract, typically, uh, once you settle on the amount of money, they give you, um, half upon signing and then certain divisions of that amount as you turn in each book. And as it's approved, I do know someone who only gets, who gets, um, a fraction of it when she turns the book in and then a fraction upon publication, which is, I, I only, she's the only one I've ever heard of who gets it like that. So you don't get it all at once. And then as the book begins to earn money and you get your percentage of royalties, they totaled that against the advance. So the advance is basically a loan. That's why it's called an advance. This may be perfectly reasonable to you guys, but we were talking the other day about the woman who, um, like ended up getting $350,000 worth of advances, several book deals, and then wrote this article whining about how nobody explained to her that it was only an advance against royalties. <laughs> I people. Anyway, so whether or not the book earns out the advance is, um, you don't know, you hope it will, but a lot of books don't. In fact, I think a staggering number don't, um, something like I, I heard not long ago, like 60% of books do not earn out the advance. You don't have to pay back the difference, but you also don't get more money on that book. And the publisher eyes you with, uh, John Destye. Because they're betting that the book will sell. So this comes to the, why wouldn't you sign more than a three book deal? Um, unless you love, love, love security, which you know, some people do, unless you really want to be under contract. Some people like that. So let's say that my, to keep the math simple, I get an offer of a thousand dollars per book, um, for an advance. 
And the publisher says, we believe in you so much that we want to give you a six book, six book deal or a 10 book deal. There's a famous case of someone who got a 10 book deal. And so then I would get, let's say they offer me a 10 book deal and I'm like, woo, security. So they, I get a thousand dollars per book for a 10 book deal. Well, how many books do you write a year? Let's say that you're productive and you write well, and they're going to hold you back because traditional publishing doesn't like to do publish books too fast. So they're going to do two books a year. So that means for the next five years, you're getting a thousand dollars advance per book. Maybe those books will learn out. The nice thing about low advances is you're more likely to earn out and actually get royalties coming in, which I always view as the gravy money because it's money that just keeps coming in. Um, but what if you so like hotcakes, what if you start doing really well? Well, in the natural order of things, if you had done your three book deal and you had a thousand dollars per book for your three book deal, then a year and a half later, once you've published those three books and the publisher says, oh, people love your books. We want more. And then your agent says, ha ha, pony up. Now we want 10,000 per book. If you sign those really expansive book deals, you don't get to renegotiate for maybe five years, right? So that's why you don't sign more than three book deals. Uh, some people love it. Um, it's, but you're basically saying that you don't think that your worth will go up. Maybe you don't, <laughs> it is the conservative way to do things. So back to spec. So the nice thing about writing for spec, as I said, is you don't have to write the whole book. Now I do have one friend who writes the whole book, at least a very, very, um, what she calls her vomit draft, which I never like. Um, but she writes the whole book because she has to make sure that the story hangs together. I don't know why I, I should ask her, has she ever had a story not hang together? Cause she's written lots of books. Maybe it comes back to that thing. The perennial question, will I finish this book? Will I be able to? She has to make sure she can, but for the most part, we write those initial pages and call it good and go on some. So I have been talking about the secret project and how Sarah wants agent. Sarah wants me to write more pages for it. I initially wrote 5,000 words uh, just to make sure she even liked the voice and the concept. I highly recommend this because you don't want to go too far to have your agent go. And eh, no, I don't think so unless it's something you love and you're going to self publish. So then you guys know I've, if you've been listening, I've been agonizing over adding and I'm up to like 10,000 words and I emailed agent Sarah last week and I said, I think it's really good. I think it's tight. Dorinda likes it. Dorinda likes everything. What am I saying? But she did say that I have the tension, um, rubber band tight, something like that so tight. That it's like a rubber band's about to snap, which I think is good. And I said to Sarah, I think it's ending at a, at a good hook, which is what she wanted. And she came back and said, it's up to you. she said, but I am definitely seeing a correlation between number of pages submitted and amount, amount of advance. And so I, and I was like, what, why, why is this a thing? I had not heard this before. And while it's important to have a good relationship with your agent and trust your agent. And if you don't, you should seriously rethink, uh, why you're with that agent. 
uh, and consider moving to a different agent. Uh, I, I asked around and I asked in some of my other author forums, various places, the CIFWA Slack and a couple of groups that I'm in and friends and which is why networking is good. That's one reason why I always suggest that people uh, invest their time and energy into networking so that when you have questions like this, you can ask people and it goes back to that same whiny McWinerson article about the woman who spent like $350,000 and didn't understand how advances work and nobody explained it to me. And it's like, why weren't you talking to other writers? I mean, cause clearly she, she felt very special. It's like, no, this is why you actually make friends with writers and talk to them because they're part of your professional community word to the wise. But if you guys are listening to this podcast, you already know that, right? That's why you're listening. Sorry if you're um, primarily readers, but I hear from a lot of you who are primarily readers that this stuff's interesting anyway. Hope so. So <coughs> it turns out that everybody is getting this. Uh, even one author who is like a hugely famous, massively best selling author said that she recently uh, put together a, you know, proposal for a new series, new world and went out, you know, her agent took it out on spec and the editors came back and said they were interested, but they wanted to see at least 20,000 words, which is the same thing Sarah is saying to me. And I heard this from several other people. So for those of you, even if you have been, uh, selling to trad for a while, apparently this is the new normal. Um, this is not how it used to be. You guys, it didn't used to have to be this many pages. Uh, some people said that, yeah, they used to be able to just write like a paragraph about what it was about and their editor would buy it. But New York is, has gotten, okay, let's be honest. They've gotten weird. I don't know what it is. It's like, they've all been stuck in their tiny apartments for the entire pandemic and they're losing their minds, but (laughs) sorry if that's you, but I think you guys would not disagree. Um, I don't know if it's like the paper shortage, you know, there've been a lot of discussions with paper shortage, a lot of the supply chain stuff. Somebody else suggested that it's because the publishing houses are looking more and more at multi-platform sales, like being able to, um, sell to streaming services, to develop mini series, to develop movies, to develop games, to develop, um, graphic novels and so forth. And so they need a bigger chunk to be able to sell it to these other places. Um, that the bean counters and marketers are more heavily involved. And I thought this was a really interesting point that, uh, somebody said that because you're not, because there are so many more types of people involved in this acquisition process that aren't necessarily people who understand how story works. They don't have an intuitive feel and she was saying that like with her editor, that her editor can read a few pages, can read five or 10 pages of a book and come back to her and say, okay, so you're going to go here, 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 and here. And the writer will be like, yeah, that's exactly why I'm thinking. She said her agent can't do that. And, and it's true that my agent can't always do that. She's always like, well, I don't understand where this is going. And it's like, well, 
Do you understand? You know, it's, it's just a different understanding of story and that the marketing people, the ones who are working, you know, especially the ones who are like farther out from the actual business of a prose book production, that they need even more to be able to see where a story is going. It's an interesting point, but anyway, you know, this is, this is a fairly big change. And yes, we were griping about it because like this author, who's the very famous best-selling author said, you know, you'd think that they would trust me to know how to write a book by now, but no, I don't know if it doesn't, if it, you know, maybe it's not trust per se, but they definitely want, um, more proof, more demonstration. So the only time that this becomes really sticky for those of us, if, if you're trad, this totally trad, this is, um, you know, kind of a pain. Um, but even if you're hybrid like me and this very famous bestselling author I'm talking about, cause she self publishes also, she was saying, you know, that she did this with a book that was not an indie friendly book, not friendly for self publishing. And she ended up being stuck with a whole bunch of work that she did for free that she's just not going to get that time and money back. And somebody asked, um, what did we mean by books that weren't indie friendly? And you know, it's just some books sell better, um, in self publishing, some genres sell better. Also, if the book is a genre part departure for us, then we would have to like build up a whole platform you know, you have some readers that'll follow you to a new genre, but a lot won't. And so you have to weigh how much effort you would have to put into trying to sell this, this new book and new genre, new audience and all of that, you know, and it's like, well, you know, there's the fallacy of sunk costs, right? Just because you already lost a lot to an effort doesn't mean that piling more effort into it is going to fix it and could be the reverse on that note. I am um, going to go in and that's my plan. I'm just going to spend the rest of this week um, working on more pages because apparently that's what I need to do. Unfortunately, and please don't kill me. It probably means I'm going to have to push back the release date for bright familiar. I'm sorry. I will see. I'm just going to see how it goes, but um, putting a week on this instead of moving to that, it's just, going to make it tight. I'll see how bright familiar writes. Maybe, maybe I'll be able to do it, but if I do push it back right now, it's scheduled for the end of December, like December 20th. If I do push it back, it'll just be like a week or two into January. So you, you've waited this long and I'm sorry for, I said gray magic, right? Yeah. Um, but it's the price we pay, right? It's the price I pay. And then unfortunately you have to pay it too. So I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the frolic media podcast network, and you will find more podcasts that you might love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a fantastic Monday. Hope you kick your week off with a bang and um, you all take care. Bye-bye.